There were two civil procedure cases decided by the Arkansas courts this week, one by the Arkansas Supreme Court and one by the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Rivera Sarin v. Presidential Limousine and Auto Sales, Inc., 2021 ARC 219, the Arkansas Supreme Court reversed a trial court order that denied a motion for class certification and remanded in a case arising over claims of a deficiency notice and usury. Justice Hudson considered the circuit court's order that denied class action certification under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 23. Quote, in this interlocutory appeal, appellate Jennifer Rivera Sarin, on behalf of herself and all others similarly situated, appeals from the circuit court's denial of her motion for class action certification in her suit against Appalee Presidential Limousine and Auto Sales, Inc., or Presidential. For reversal, Rivera Sarin argues that the circuit court abused its discretion by denying her motion. We reverse and remand. On August 22, 2018, Rivera Sarin entered into a retail installment contract with Presidential to finance the sale of a 2003 Jeep Liberty. Presidential repossessed the vehicle and sent Rivera Sarin a mandatory notice of private or public sale, or notice, on June 20, 2019. The notice informed Rivera Sarin that the vehicle would be sold at a public sale on or about June 30, 2019, and that she would be liable for any remaining deficiency in the event the vehicle did not sell for an amount sufficient to satisfy the total outstanding indebtedness. The notice further indicated that Rivera Sarin could redeem the property by paying the amount due and unpaid on your obligation, with interest accruing at the rate of 9.5% per day. On July 23, 2019, Rivera Sarin filed a class action complaint against Presidential, alleging that the notice failed to comply with the Uniform Commercial Code and Arkansas law because it did not disclose that she was entitled to an accounting of the unpaid indebtedness and the charge, if any, for an accounting as required by R-Code and Sections 49613-1D and 49614-1A. She further claimed that the 9.5% per day interest rate, in addition to the underlying obligation that must be paid to redeem the collateral, violated Arkansas Code Annotated Section 49623, the Arkansas Deceptive Trade Practices Act, and the Arkansas Constitution's prohibition against usurious interest rates. Rivera Sarin sought injunctive relief and damages on behalf of herself and each member of the class. In its answer, Presidential admitted that the notice sent to Rivera Sarin could have been construed as requiring interest over and above the installment contract rate, but claimed that this was not Presidential's actual intent. Presidential further admitted that the notice provided did not comply with Arkansas law, but alleged that Rivera Sarin was not harmed by the omission because she had already been provided with this information prior to receiving the notice. In addition, Presidential asserted that it had not made any attempt to collect a deficiency from Rivera Sarin. The court pointed to three arguments in order to reverse the order denying class certification in this interlocutory appeal. Quote, Presidential challenged only three of the Rule 23 requirements in its response to the motion for class certification, numerosity, 
commonality, and typicality, and the circuit court based its decision on the arguments made by presidential. Rivera-Seren therefore focuses on these three requirements on appeal. We discuss each in turn. End of quote. There was sufficient numerosity on the potential class. Quote, Rule 23A1 provides that a class action is maintainable only if the class is so numerous that joinder of all members is impracticable. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 23A1. We have held that the exact size of the proposed class and the identity of the class members need not be established for the court to certify a class and that the numerosity requirement may be supported by common sense. We have declined to adopt a bright-line rule to determine how many class members are required to satisfy the numerosity requirement. We have affirmed a circuit court's finding that numerosity was lacking where the class totaled only 17 members. As Rivera-Seren asserts, even if the applicable class period is limited to three years instead of five, Presidential did not identify how many post-repossession notices it sent per year and only argued that this shorter period would greatly reduce the potential members. Assuming an equal number of repossessions each year, approximately 120 debtors would have received the notices, a class that is still large enough to satisfy the Rule 23 numerosity requirement. End of quote. The commonality factor was satisfied as well. Quote, whether any of these notices meet the requirements of the UCC involves the merits of the claims and goes well beyond the procedural issue of whether Rivera Seren has demonstrated the existence of common questions of law or fact to be decided. Thus, the circuit court abused its discretion in refusing to certify the class based on the commonality requirement. We agree that Rivera Seren satisfied the typicality requirement. Her claims arise from the same wrong allegedly committed against the class, which is that the post-repossession notices sent to debtors failed to contain certain information required under the UCC. Presidential again asserted in its response that the notice provided to Rivera-Seren was not typical of the notices received by other class members and that at least one of the three sample notices did contain the required language. Rivera-Seren correctly asserts that these are merits-based arguments, and as discussed above, we do not delve into the merits of claims or defenses at the class certification stage. Because the circuit court abused its discretion in refusing to certify the class based on the record before it, we reverse the circuit court's order and remand for further proceedings. End of quote. Justice Webb dissented, writing, I would have affirmed the circuit court's ruling on two separate bases. First, the appellant failed to bring up a record sufficient to demonstrate an abuse of discretion. When reviewing a class certification order, we focus on the evidence contained in the record to determine whether it supports the circuit court's conclusion regarding certification. Our law is well settled that the six requirements for class action certification, as stated in Rule 23, are numerosity, commonality, typicality, adequacy, predominance, and superiority. In addition to the requirements of Rule 23, the court must be able to objectively identify members of the class. 
the circuit court is obligated to undertake enough of an analysis of the six elements to enable us to conduct a meaningful review of the certification issue on appeal. At a minimum, this requires more than a cursory mention of the six criteria or bare conclusions that those criteria have been satisfied. The circuit court cannot simply use a rubber stamp to approve or deny class certification. However, when a party fails to request specific findings of fact on Rule 23 elements or file a motion pursuant to Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 52, it waives the lack of specific factual findings on appeal. The appellant failed to obtain the necessary findings, and the circuit court's order is insufficient to enable our review of the denial of class certification. End of quote. The appellate further failed to address other reasons to deny certification, the dissent added. The appellant's brief argues that the requirements of numerosity, commonality, and typicality were met. However, the appellant did not address adequacy, predominance, or superiority. When a circuit court bases its decision on more than one independent ground, as it did here when it denied the motion, and the appellate challenges fewer than all of those grounds on appeal, our case law requires that we affirm without addressing any of the grounds. End of quote. This was a one brief appeal. End of decision. In Endurance Freight Logistics LLC v. Reddick, 2021 ARC App 470, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a circuit court order striking defendants' answers because of discovery violations and rejected arguments that the penalty was too harsh. Here, there were repeated delays in providing discovery, as well as disobedience to a trial court order, and finally incomplete answers. Judge Kleppenbach noted plaintiff's counsel, quote, waited several months and attempted numerous times to work with opposing counsel to acquire responses and then received incomplete responses to discovery requests. Incomplete responses are treated as a failure to respond. Although appellants contend that they did not engage in a pattern of actions or the type of flagrant violations that our courts have held warrant striking pleadings, we disagree. The circuit court ordered endurance and glad rents to comply with discovery, yet endurance and glad rents did not do so, well beyond the days the circuit court permitted them to provide those responses. It was not until months later, and much closer to trial, that Reddick realized even more information was lacking. The defendants, who were represented by multiple attorneys, had more than ample time to complete discovery and cure omissions. End of quote. The breadth of the information sought included the following, quote, Photographs Martin had taken at the accident scene had not been provided, that a traffic citation Martin had been issued in 2018 had not been provided, and that a Department of Transportation audit had been conducted with a negative outcome, which had also not been provided. End of quote. End of decision.